Welcome to episode number 40 of The Fourth Wall. I'm, of course, your host, Griffin Schiller, and this is the show where we break down the fourth wall of the film industry as we get an inside look through our conversations with industry professionals ranging from writers, directors, actors, you name it. This show is, of course, part of the Playlist Podcast Network where you can find the rest of our amazing film and television-centric catalog. We're talking shows like Deep Focus, The Playlist Podcast, Be Real, and so much more. Whatever your fix is, we definitely have you covered over there. So consider subscribing to the podcast feed so you don't miss out on all those great shows and then also so you don't miss out on more episodes of The Fourth Wall. Let's be real. That's the most important thing because we all know The Fourth Wall is a great show. My guest today really needs no introduction at all. I mean, he's basically television royalty and now after a better part of a decade of conversations surrounding, oh, will they make a movie? Won't they make a movie? They're finally making a movie and my guest today is David Chase discussing his Sopranos prequel film, The Many Saints of Newark, which, honest to God, has been in development for such a long time. Something I even found really fascinating about this conversation was that the idea for this original thing even originated back when Chase got out of film school. So, you know, this has been brewing inside of him for a long time, and we're finally going to see it tied into the Sopranos universe. The list of names who have had a greater impact on television than David Chase is exceedingly short, as I already alluded to if such a list exists at all. Chase made his debut in the medium in 1971 as a one-off writer for The Lawyers, penning the episode In Defense of Ellen McKay. Chase went on to work as the story editor for the influential horror series Kolchak the Night Stalker, and then as a writer and producer for four seasons of The Rockford Files, where he won his first Emmy. Chase built a career over more than 20 years as an efficient and professional producer on several successful shows, and by the mid-1990s, he was a highly coveted showrunner. Enter The Sopranos. Drawing heavily from his personal life, Chase wrote what was originally a feature film screenplay about a mobster in therapy having problems with his mother, which in 1995, he adapted into an idea for a television series. Four years later, The Sopranos made its debut on HBO and changed television forever. Centered around the late, great James Gandolfini's masterful portrayal of Tony Soprano, The Sopranos ran for six seasons, with Chase officially credited as a writer on 30 episodes, but having contributed to all 86. Heralding a new golden age of television, The Sopranos has been cited by Vince Gilligan as a direct inspiration for Breaking Bad, and by Matthew Weiner, who worked on the show in its latter two seasons, as having changed his approach to Mad Men. This is to name only two of the best shows to come out in the 21st century, which have been heavily influenced by The Sopranos. Now, 15 years after the infamous series finale, Chase is returning to the world of his iconic New Jersey crime family with The Many Saints of Newark, set roughly 30 years before the first season of the show. The film stars Michael Gandolfini playing his father's iconic character in his late teens, caught up in a tumultuous time of change and in his idolization of his uncle, Dickie Moltisanti, played by the incredible Alessandro Nivola. I know many of you are probably thinking, oh, it's a Sopranos movie, I'll just catch it on HBO, that'll be fine, but Truthfully, it's more than that. It's a really solid gangster film, and it was made to be seen on the big screen, and David Chase himself has refused to mince words about the film's hybrid release, and really encourages people, if they feel safe to do so, to go see this movie in a theater, because it's 
what the whole thing was designed to be. They're already fighting an uphill battle. Um, and so I think when you see the film, you'll understand why he's so passionate about uh, audiences going to go see this in a theater. Obviously, if you feel safe to do so. And I gotta say, the movie is a solid gangster flick with incredible performances across the board. Michael Gandolfini really becomes his father. It's it's almost scary how uh, accurate his portrayal was, how he nailed the mannerisms, the, the speech pattern, uh, the tone of his voice. I mean, it was just, you could tell that he put in the work to really do his father's uh, iconic character justice. And also, as I mentioned before, Alessandro Nivola is incredible as Dickie Montesanto, the uh, protagonist of this film, but also Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta hasn't been this good in a long time, and it was nice to see him in a, a different sort of role. Uh, again, this is a true ensemble here, and if you're going to go to the movies to watch a gangster film, you're going to want the performances to you know bring it all home, and they really do a, a great job there. On top of it, doing just a solid job of uh, capturing the setting around them in in the film, the sights, the sounds, the the turmoil, and all that, and how this family uh, operates within it. I think it's a film that if you're a Sopranos fan, you're definitely going to find elements in there to enjoy. But the best part about it, at least for my perspective is that you don't have to be a Sopranos fan to enjoy this. It's just a good gangster movie in its own right. And so during my conversation with David Chase, we uh, discuss all of that, the the origins of this film, and we actually get pretty deep uh, later on into the conversation, kind of kind of talking about his meditations on faith, uh, parenthood, and, and a lot of the themes uh, that the film sort of engages with. Th- this was a really wonderful conversation. I, I'm going to admit I was a bit intimidated going in. This is David Chase, the David Chase. I mean, listen, the man who basically uh, pioneered the, the television landscape that we know today. Am I really the right person to be talking to him? Uh, but, you know, as soon as the conversation started and I started uh, you know conversing with him I you know Dave is a straight shooter but he's a, a very thoughtful individual and I thought especially once we got towards the latter part of this conversation that it was just um, it went better than I could have imagined the most important thing though is the many Saints of Newark hits theaters on October 1st this Friday and it will also simultaneously debut on HBO Max for one month uh that's really it from me, guys. Go check out the film. I, I really encourage you to, especially if you're a Sopranos fan. And um, I really hope you enjoy this conversation with uh, David Chase. I can't thank Warner Brothers enough for giving us the time with him. Uh, and I can't thank David enough for just being so uh, open and honest about his process. It was, a, it was a real pleasure. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the great David Chase. <laughs> I wanted to sort of start with the theatrical release uh, of the film because I know for you that was like a big, uh, you know, selling point. You know, getting to see the this family that that we all know from you know uh, television on the big screen, and after seeing it in the film, it is it is such a theatrical uh, experience. I can't imagine it seeing it on a smaller screen. So I, I just kind of want to start with your experience seeing that film. Uh, in a theater for the first time, and may- maybe what some of those emotions um, that that came out of that experience. Um, what's the word I would use? Seeing it in a theater for the first time, it was a delight. It was um, very exhilarating. Um, I mean, 
we finally knew that we had something that was okay. It, it mm-hmm. wasn't going to embarrass anyone. And, you know, people used to say, oh, it's a tr- it was a trip. It really was that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because the post-production is done, for the most part, on avid, little avid screens and stuff like that. Yeah. And without all the effects and without all the music. And we could finally breathe with relief, you know, just, oh, that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and I, I know that you've wanted to tackle, uh, you know, the 60s and specifically the Newark riots for um, some time. And I, I'm curious, do you think that you would have probably done, done a film set during that time period uh, separate from The Sopranos universe? Or did you truly feel like The Sopranos, uh, you know, world was your, your best entry point into tackling, uh, you know, something like that? Well... I probably would not have done a story about 1967 and the Newark riots now mm. uh, without the Sopranos. But I had previously, when I first got out of film school, um, I had an idea about uh, four guys from white guys from New Jersey who joined the National Guard in order not to go to Vietnam. <clears throat> and they get shipped down to the Newark riots in a tank. I never developed that movie, but that was sort of a prelude to this. Well, then then I'm curious, you know, since you've had that idea for a while, was that something that you took into consideration when you were uh, developing The Sopranos and, you know, seeing, like, the older generation, what maybe they they have gone through? Or, like, the the the, the general idea that you had, just sort of about the, the these guys that were trying to avoid the, the draft or going to Vietnam, was that something that you kind of kept with you when you were working on The Sopranos, when you were you know, developing some of those older characters. No, I didn't. No. Well, I am also sort of just curious about the the, the nature of, of, of this film in general. Um, I, I really enjoyed seeing it as a film, but I also think there's like so many great characters uh, within the movie that it could have easily been uh, a series as well. Uh, was was that ever anything that you kind of took into consideration or was it always like, we, we want to go uh, the way of, of a feature length film? was like that it, okay. I, the way it went the history was that uh, new line in the person of toby emmerich came to me we would have meetings occasionally i don't mean he came to me he you know we had a meeting and he said if you ever want to do a sopranos movie if you ever want to do a sopranos movie and then finally the time was right do, and do you think that like given the ending of the show and how sort of like cohesive that that whole thing is when if you were you know when you were kind of in those early stages of development uh was there ever any like you know thought that oh maybe we could do like a soprano sequel sequel or did it always have to be something that would go uh backwards in time well i don't know how we would have done that after the death of mr gandolfini right Uh, right and and that was just something that you didn't even want to like think about i'm sure right well we couldn't have done we couldn't have done anything um yeah we couldn't do a soprano's sequel without him yeah for sure and i i i I completely agree and i know so many other fans agree uh so it definitely uh felt like the right move to to go backwards um without giving anything away i i was a big fan of uh leslie odom jr's character harold uh and i enjoyed how he sort of like crossed paths with dicky and the the sort of rivalry that's built up there um and I felt like, you know, as soon as the credits rolled, I was like, man, I feel like there is more story to tell with his character. Um, and so do you foresee yourself ever maybe like revisiting some of these characters and following following uh, them up in, in future projects? 
Potentially, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That would be well, yeah. That would be interesting. So someone like someone like Harold and like you know his his ambitions and sort of how he starts to build his own uh, faction in New Jersey. Where do you uh, where do you envision him maybe crossing paths with like an older Tony down the road? Like how do you how do you feel like that that whole turf war would would that shake never out? occurred to me, but that yeah. would be really cool to cross for him to cross paths with an older Tony. That would be really nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously, you're 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 making a, uh, a film for a long time, Sopranos fans. But I, I think what's so great about the movie is that it still manages to stand on its own, and it's sort of like a great entry point, even if you haven't seen the uh, the series. And it's a great gangster flick. So, uh, what was the the challenge in making something that appeals to both people who loved the Sopranos, they live, breathe, die the Sopranos? Uh, and then people who are who are possibly possible newcomers. Well, you said it yourself. Um, the challenge or the pleasure, um, both, was to do a really good gangster movie, plain and simple. If we achieved that, you know, it would be a positive outcome. So was that sort of like the initial mindset when you were going into the film was just sort of like the this this great idea for a gangster movie first, and then sort of. Uh, Adding in the Sopranos elements that will that would, you know, uh, please like longtime I can't fans. Say it actually went like that. It was just myself and my writing partner on this project. You know, we're about the same age and similar tastes, and we just set out to make whatever a good a good gangster movie is. That's what we wanted to do. For you, what are what are the key ingredients to a a really successful gangster film? I guess the word betrayal comes up really quickly in my mm. my mind. Um, I think there's always that and possibly overreaching hmm. um, and I don't know what you'd call it, moral blindness and almost intentional blindness. Those, those to me make really good extra movies. Yeah. Uh, did you uh, ever, did, I mean, obviously a lot of this is sort of based on your own experiences and uh, your own life, you know, much, much like the, the, the Sopranos and whatnot, but uh when you're setting a film in like the sixties, obviously, or, or the sixties and seventies, obviously there's a lot of other movies that like either came out at that time or that uh, kind of, you know, harken back to that era. Uh, did you ever go back and like uh, look, look at old films and think like, okay, maybe we kind of want to like take a few elements from here or here, or was it, was it all uh, sort of like, did it all sort of come from memory from your own uh, personal experiences? I mean, I mean, anything that was in there from motion pictures, and I'm sure there was a lot, <clears throat> um, came from a lifetime of seeing, of, of, of seeing those kind of films. We didn't mm -hmm. go back and study <clears throat> any examples of it, no. Mm. Do you, do just, just out of curiosity, do you have like favorites that you, you like to revisit uh, more often than not? No, they're probably the ones that you like to visit. Godfather yeah. 2. Goodfellas, Casino. Hmm. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's three, three great ones right there. Um, so in in you know the the film takes place during uh, a time of uh, you, you know civil unrest, uh, a lot of socio political change and whatnot. Uh, and and I think you do a great job of posing this question of how this family rooted in uh, tradition. Uh, the, these these parental figures who are sort of morally gray and whatnot, and maybe not necessarily the best parents in some regards, uh, can endure a shift in the landscape. And so we 
we sort of see that they inevitably, the family does inevitably endure, but the journey to getting there is what sort of I find fascinating. So what what do you think the, the biggest obstacle is for uh, the Sopranos family to get to where we see them in the show? You mean like they're in the suburbs or? Well, well just like in, in order to sort of like maintain their their dominance or their, their, their status, I guess. Because obviously there's a lot sort of going on here that they're challenged a lot in a way that they, they haven't been before. I guess for people like this, I would say uh, the ability to, to maintain that delusion mm. uh, that you have control, I would say that's key for any of us in life. Um, but I think power and control is very important for that breed or that segment of the criminal population. Um, and you have to keep believing that you're in control and you can, you can weather whatever comes. Yeah, so for that's sure. That's an illusion. And then what I also sort of find interesting about uh, the series is that y you it came out at a time where it was, uh, it, it unintentionally was sort of like forced to become like this first piece of post 9-11 media, media, you know. Uh, and then with this film, you you purposefully choose to set it uh, against the backdrop of of like backdrop of like everything that's going on in the late '60s and '70s. Um, and so, how do you use uh, the setting or like current events to really uh, challenge your characters and then subsequently challenge the audience as well? My feeling is, most of us, I think the majority of humans, are not really that plugged in to what's going on historically around mm. um, their own close life is what preoccupies them and they know where we they are in history or they have some some do some don't it's kind of has to do with that may you live in interest interesting times that expression what does that mean uh is interesting mean world war ii um does it mean um donald trump what, uh, how aware are you of, of that? And I, I don't know the answer in the case of these guys. I don't think mm -hmm. they're that aware of what's going on, th these characters um, in the world. Yeah, and so do, do you think maybe that disillusionment is sort of tied into everything that, that kind of goes goes wrong for them, that, that sort of like ego and that just... I guess not not really acknowledging the larger context of what's happening? Well, I don't really know, but it would seem to me that before you embark on a path of uh, robbing and killing and cheating, let's not get to robbing, that's the most extreme. You really need to be aware that the chances are very good you're going to get caught. Hmm. And then that prison is really an awful place. I don't know that, I don't know that these, those guys can they really hold that in their head. Well, I, I think you tap, and maybe maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think maybe you tap into a little bit of that idea specifically through uh, Dickie's conversations with, um, uh, you, you know, Ray Liotta, and that sort of he he's sort of aware of his wrongdoings and like all the the sins he's committed, but like he's he, he sort of thinks that there is this this way, uh, like like if he does enough good things, then maybe he can, uh, I don't know, change the trajectory of his life. Uh, Maybe, maybe if you could talk a little bit about that sort of dynamic and where where the idea for that came from and, and maybe if you had uh, figures like that in, in your own life. 
Well, I would say that <clears throat> that's part of the delusion we were talking about. Uh-huh. Um, he keeps talking about it's it's like a child in a sense. Uh, I won't take any more of the candy next time. I swear I won't do it. Yeah, it really is. And then off you go. What is he saying with all that stuff? I want to do a good deed. He feels well. I can't release some some details of the plot, but right. What does he really mean by that? And does he really mean it? It is a question. Yeah. My answer to that is, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it, it's sort of really deeply sometimes. Right, right, right. I, I, I feel like it's it sort of, at least for me and just like my own personal experiences and everything like that, it was very, uh, in growing up uh, Catholic, you know, it's very reminiscent of like, I guess some of the people who like, they don't necessarily live their lives by the, uh, you know, the the code that they sort of devote themselves to or the, the, the morals they devote themselves to, but it's like, they sort of cherry pick, right? It's like, oh, okay, I'll go to church, I'll get communion and do this and that'll be... Yeah. Right, I agree. It is cherry picking. Have you, I have you had a lot of that sort of just throughout your life? That sort of, um, um you, have I cherry picked you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Select this from that belief. Select that from that. You know, absolutely. Um, my parents were not religious, but my mother wanted to be considered to someone who was religious, even though she really wasn't. Mm. And my father considered himself an agnostic, but they made me go to Sunday school. I don't know what that is. It's like putting money in the bank. Well, you put it, I don't know. What is that about? Well, and, and I guess sort of that continuing on that idea of just sort of like sort of, uh, generations and like parents and the, 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 the children, I, I, I find, um, I find a, through a lot of your work, you, you, you focus on that sort of like the, the complex, complicated relationship. Um, and I'm sort of, you know, just mentioning stuff like that. I'm curious how that experience, you know, how that shaped you for when you, uh, you know, are dealing with your own kids or, or even someone like uh, the, the son of a, a friend of yours or, or stuff like that. Do you think that there's things that uh, you were able to sort of uh, do that, 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 uh, I don't know, that sort of like improved upon the way that you grew up or something? That was the idea. That was the goal. I don't know that it's been successful. Uh, I'm told that millennials are extremely unhappy. Mm. Um, that was not the intention. So I don't know how to answer that. Maybe they're, maybe it's not true that they are actually very bubbly and unhappy. unhappy. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, as... As I guess someone who's like closer to that uh, age range, I, I think there's 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 probably a bit of truth to that. Yeah, sure. I mean, you, I mean, you're asking me about it. I, I, yeah. you know, I must say, my generation, as parents, of course, thought they were going to do something better than their own parents had done. Take what their parents had done and improve yeah. upon it. Have we done that? I, I I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a tough question for sure. And then you know. Uh, us when we're having kids, we'll be asking the same thing, and I guess it's sort of like the curse of, uh, you know, just just generations or or, yeah. or whatnot, for sure. Uh, listen, David, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you. I, I had a, a million more questions I wish I could ask you, but uh, seriously, congrats on the film. I really really enjoyed it, uh, and I'm glad that uh, you know it, it's finally out there. And I hope people see it on the big screen. That's the big thing. You got I, it. That's yeah. Exactly. 
I'm so glad you said it so I didn't have to. That's really important. It's, yeah, it's no. A, it's a different experience. Uh, you know, what yeah. can I um, you, you know, if you're in some desert and you can't manage to get to a movie theater. <laughs> but um, it's really it's really worth the effort. It is. It is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be telling everyone I know who, who's fans of the series and just fans of gangster films in general, just just go see it in, in theaters. But oh, uh, l- listen, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks a lot.